0: I'm one of the pastors at our downtown church. We have three churches under the Midtown name, and I just taught this sermon maybe about 15, 20 minutes ago, and then I raced down here. So good to be with you all this morning. And uh, you know, this is funny, this is uh, not on here, but every time I come in, Uh, usually the next day, there's usually a guy at our office who edits all the sermons together and puts them online. And usually whenever I tell him, yeah, I'm about to go preach at Two Notch, he says, are you gonna say something about the worship band? Because you say that every single week. I listen to that and have to edit that every single week. And I said, yeah, I probably am. So let's give it up for the worship band for just, uh, thank you all. Uh, It's just, it's so obvious, like God has gifted y'all to lead us to the throne room. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I got a thought experiment for us. Okay. Uh, Suppose I were to ask you in life group this week. I want you all to print out your budgets. I want you to, I want you to print out what you've spent over the last month. I want you to have copies and I want you to share with everyone. uh, And they're all going to provide feedback. My hunch is, besides one or two of you who are all about that, uh, my hunch is most of y'all would not feel comfortable with that. Most of y'all would be like, tell me, tell me anything else, ask me to do anything else, and I will do that. But my hunch is uh, we would feel pretty uncomfortable when it comes to that topic. Now, we're not going to do that, so breathe, but I would imagine, man, if I asked that, some of y'all, the defenses would go up, and you know I might get an angry email or two in which case my email is domfrancis at gmail.com. So please just send those my way. I would love to, I'd love to read those. But my hunch is there's this general like fear in the pit of our stomach. Are we actually managing our resources well? Are we spending them in the right places? Are we spending too little or too much when it comes to certain categories? And the topic that we're gonna talk about today is really driving at that, is really asking what is the purpose of our resources? If everything we have has been given by God, and God talks a lot about money in the Bible. I read somewhere there's over like 2,000 references to money and possessions and wealth in scripture. I read one that said, um, more than faith and prayer combine, Jesus talks more about wealth and resources. So this is when it comes to talking about how do we grow more into the image of Jesus? How do we be faithful disciples to him? In part, it talks about having to think about money and possessions in a biblical way. So that's what this series is for. And today we're just going to get really practical and ask that question. What is the purpose of our resources? So verse 34, which Courtney read for us. Verse 34, Jesus prefaces this bit by saying, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's one of the most concise statements on how to think about our money from a biblical lens. Jesus says, how you spend your money, how you use your resources is often a good indicator as to the posture of your heart and where your soul is with Jesus. And he shares this story in verse 35, which we just read, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. In other words, be prepared, be on guard for this. Verse 36, be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. To give us some context, the second watch is generally thought between, to be between midnight and 3 a.m. The third watch is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So Jesus is saying that whatever time the master comes, blessed are the servants who are prepared when he gets here. Verse 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus here is using this parable about the master and the servants in regards to how we think about our possessions and our resources. Because if you look earlier in Luke chapter 12, that whole chapter leading up to this story is talking about resources and wealth. Prior to this, Jesus shares the parable of the rich young fool who believed that all of life could be uh, brought, essentially, that if I just had more stuff, then I would have more security and peace in my life. And so he spends his whole life storing up wealth only to die. Jesus calls that man a fool. The next story Jesus shares right after that is the parable of the birds and the flowers. And Jesus says, look, do not be anxious because God is going to provide for you. Everything is mine. And if you're my children and I provide for the birds and flowers, how much more will I provide for you? So Jesus is helping us in this chapter to reframe and think biblically about our possessions and our finances. And so Jesus is saying here in this next story, right after the rich young fool, right after the story of the ravens and the flowers, he's helping them see, look, when it comes to your possessions, when it comes to your stuff, you're a servant, you're a manager. You're not the owner of this stuff. None of this stuff is yours. All that stuff that you have is because God has given you that stuff. Now, in light of that, how are you gonna use it? So Jesus is saying, when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to our stuff, you are a steward. You are not an owner. This is not yours. It's all God's. So in light of that, how are you gonna manage your stuff well to use it in the kingdom of God? To zoom it out a bit, this goes as far back as Genesis chapter one, where God says we are image bearers of him. And that means so many things, but in part, it means we use the resources God has given us to help bring flourishing and wholeness and peace to the world, to bring heaven down to earth to use our resources God's entrusted to us so that the world might look more like the kingdom of God. That's partly what it means to be an image bearer of him. And money, generally speaking, is one of the most powerful tools on the planet to help accomplish God's kingdom purposes. Being an image bearer is to realize that God gives you things in part so that you can make much of him and spread the kingdom. You're a manager, you're a steward, you're not an owner. To think about it another way, let's say, I hired someone to keep an eye on my finances, right? Like I'm like, hey, I want to retire when I'm maybe 65 or something, and I'm gonna let you uh, have full access to my bank account, and I want you to make the best decisions possible, and you know, uh, manage my stuff accordingly. Let's say I come back a year later, I'm like, hey, so you know how I hired you for that job? How you doing with that? And he's like, oh about that. I didn't know if you were serious about that. So I'll be honest. I didn't, I didn't really do anything. I would say, all right, first of all, you're fired. How did you get this job? This has been a waste of my time because he did not do the assignment that I gave him. He did not use my resources well. So what does God want to do with the resources that he has given us? That's what we're going to look at. So we have three categories in scripture that it says God wants us to use our resources for. They are for provision, for enjoyment, and blessing others. And I'm gonna break each one down one by one. So number one is provision, right? Biblical category number one, we manage our resources so our basic needs are met. God in his sovereignty provides for us so that we in turn can use it to be clothed, to be fed, all that. The most immediate passage that comes to mind is Luke 12, 28, where Jesus says, if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven how much more will he clothe you, O little faith? So in other words, the bills need to be paid and food should be in the fridge so that you can be fed. You need clothes to keep you warm. And God often uses us working a job as the means by which to make sure those basic needs are met. And when it comes to provision, it's not just making sure our daily needs are met. We're keeping an eye out and looking ahead to look to the future to make sure our future selves are provided for. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about this. I'll just give you one, Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So as managers of God's stuff, we're diligent. We're not quick. We're not hasty with how we use our money. We think wisely about it. We look ahead to the future and make the wisest decisions to maximize what God's given us. So think about the stuff you rely on, the clothes on your body, the fridge used to keep your food from going bad, the HVAC unit in your house that keeps you warm on a Columbia night when it dips below freezing. I guarantee you, and I'm not just like being a pessimist here, I guarantee you all those things are gonna break down at some point. And it's probably gonna happen at a time you're not thinking about it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a downer here, that's just a fact. But knowing that, you can prepare for that. You can manage your resources that God has given you well so that you're not caught off guard by it. As a good manager, you can begin storing stuff away bit by bit, so you're not caught off guard, so that you're not one major appliance away from financial ruin. Similarly, if you are so blessed, if you have the means in regards to your retirement, you can, if you are able, start saving away now so that you can provide for your future self later. But I say all that with one big like disclaimer, okay? Um, how much is too much to spend in this category? Like how much is too much on clothes? How much is too much on groceries? To which I would say, I don't know. Like I can't speak that over your life, but that line does exist, Like that figure does exist for you depending on where you are financially, depending on how much you make, but that line does exist and you need to figure that out. You need to go to God with your budget, bring godly community into it and remember that ultimately this is not your stuff. This is God's stuff. And so as a good manager, what does that mean for you in this category? Second category is enjoyment. Enjoyment, Ecclesiastes 8.15 says, and I command joy, I commend joy for man has nothing better under the sun, but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. 1 Timothy six seventeen. as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides for us with everything to enjoy. He richly provides for us with everything to enjoy. Uh, I looked at it in the Greek that the New Testament was written in. That word enjoy literally means enjoy. Yes and amen, right? And I think that's a helpful counterbalance to that first category. Yes, we're to be managers to make sure our basic needs are met. And according to what the Bible says, God wants us to enjoy the gifts, all right? Because it's meant to point back to him as the giver. And I think that's so helpful to understand. I remember uh, a few years back, uh, I was, uh, this was something, a category I needed to hear. And I bought a house, my wife and I, a few years back. And I just felt, based off of my past and how I've thought about money, I was, felt guilty about it. And it's like, we were able to you know, make the payments and we've had lots of people over, but man, I just felt guilty for a few months, maybe like three to six months, the fact that we bought this house and I would feel a little embarrassed and hope no one would ask me about it whenever we would have people over. And I needed to hear this category that God gives us gifts to enjoy. And in fact, enjoying his gifts is one of the ways we make known the kingdom of God. When we cultivate this posture of gratitude to enjoy the gifts, knowing that all the while it's meant to point us back to the giver, whether that be a fresh cup of coffee you made this morning. Praise Jesus for that. You know, uh, God invented flavor. God invented taste buds. Like he didn't need to do that. And yet God invented flavor and taste buds so that we could enjoy good food and it could point back to him as the giver. I mean, I don't know about you. When I taste Ann's pimento cheese, I just break out in worship. You know, it's like, praise Jesus for this, you know? That means... If it's within your means, you can go on a vacation and not feel guilt about it. Make some memories, get some rest, but all the while cultivate some intentional gratitude in your heart. And the reason why that's so critical is how many of us go to vacation and then come back and you just feel so empty afterwards? How many of us drink a cup of coffee or good food and think nothing of it at all? The reason that is, is because that vacation, that cup of coffee, that meal cannot fix what's broken in your soul. Only God can do that. And he's the one who made that vacation, who made that food. It's all meant to point back to him, the giver. Like I love going on vacation, but that vacation can't fix me. Vacation is meant to point me back to the one who made the scenery in the first place. And if I don't understand that, then I'm missing out. I am missing out. That vacation glow wears away. That food eventually gets cold and stale. But when those gifts are put in the right place, they can point us to the giver where the joy can last forever. Now, before I move on, I've got a question for you. How much is too much when it comes to this category? How much is too much when it comes to going out to a nice meal? When it comes to going to a restaurant, how much is too much? To which I would say, I don't know. But that number does exist for each and every one of us, depending on our financial priorities, how much we're making, you know, uh, that number exists. And you got to figure that out between you and the Lord and your spouse and to bring godly community into it if you need to. But the point is you got to figure that out because it's not your stuff, it's God's stuff. You're a manager, you're a steward, you're not an owner. That leads us to the third category for us is blessing others, blessing others. Luke 12 33 says, sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Acts 20 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And as strange as it sounds, that passage in Acts shows us money, our resources are best enjoyed when used for someone or something other than us. And giving actually gets you something back in return. It gives you a deeper sense of joy and helps us get the focus off of ourselves even more. This is in part why we encourage church family to practice generosity because we want them to get a deeper sense of joy and gratitude out of it. We wanna make sure not only our needs are being met and that we're enjoying the gifts, but that others get to enjoy it too. Our, our kids uh, were trying to instill this And our three kids, ages eight, six, and four, uh, by having this phrase that we say, it's the phrase is, everything we own, we own to share. And the reason we do that is I see it a lot with my kids. They'll One of them will be playing with a toy. We got like a bunch of toys, right? And like one of them will be playing with some stuffed animal or whatever. And the other two will have walked past this toy for so long and just think nothing of it. But then one of them will... Look at this toy, start playing with it. And then the other two start getting jealous. And they're like, I want to play with that. And then it becomes a tug of war. And then I have to take it and say no. And then I say something like, hey, kids, what do we say? Everything we own. And then they go, we own to share. It's like, whatever. All right. But the point that I'm trying to instill in them is like, this is not your stuff. This is God's stuff. So share it. And I want them to experience the joy of not fighting. I want them to experience the joy of sharing and experiencing deeper enjoyment when they're sharing their stuff with others. I want them to grow up to be kids in middle school and high school. They're just so quick to invite kids over for a meal or to hang out because they just have this posture of wanting to bless others. Hey, it's not my stuff and everything we own, we own to share. I want them to grow up to be young adults and parents who are opening up their homes who are practicing financial generosity because they know everything we own, we own to share. I think about the many ways that uh, so many of y'all are practicing this principle with financial generosity, the reason that we have the lights on, the reason that we're able to meet in this space is because of your financial generosity. So thank you. I think about uh, the number of you who open up their homes for Life Group each week. I know that just seems like in our church context, it's like, I mean, that's just what we do. You know, it's like, we think nothing of it, but honestly, you are blessing others by opening up your home. Thank you. I think about one member in our church, at our downtown church, they're single and they have a couple extra bedrooms in their house that they don't need and they could downsize, but they use it to bless others. It's like, hey, if you need a place to stay, uh, you're in between apartments right now, just come crash at my place. Stay however long you want. Constantly open up their home for life group. Just constantly practicing hospitality. I think about another member in our church who uh, has no reason to buy a pickup truck, but it just seems like, you know, if you're in a friend circle, there needs to be one friend in the circle who has the pickup truck, right? And it was like, he noticed there was no friend. He was like, I mean, I need a new car. I guess I'll get a pickup truck. I don't need it, but you know, I'll be that guy. And I could list just story after story of people who've practiced generosity. But the point is uh, they are experiencing a deeper blessing by sharing their stuff. They're experiencing the joy of sharing with others. And that's what God wants for us to manage our resources so that all of us can experience that joy with however much we have. But all this to say, these are the three categories given in scripture Of as to what God wants us to do with our resources. We are managers, we're not the owners, so let's leverage and maximize what God has given us so that we can make much of him and so that the kingdom life that Jesus talks about can spread more and more into our hearts and more and more into the world when we use our resources well. This means to manage God's stuff, we need a plan in place. This means if you are a steward, then that means you need a plan, Okay? Thinking back to that financial advisor illustration, I hire someone to like have access to my bank account. I say, hey, you need to just do with this however you see fit to maximize what I've got. And I come back later. I say, so what's your plan with this? He's like, oh, you wanted me to have a plan? I'm sorry about that. I was just going to wing it. I'd be like, all right, never mind. I will take my stuff back. Thank you. In the same way, you need a plan. And I just wanna like reframe that word budget for us, okay? It's like, you're not gonna see that word in scripture or anything, but living in the culture we find ourselves in, if we are managers, we're not owners, and that just practically means for most of us here to have a budget where we tell our resources where to go. To recognize, look, money is not my God. Jesus is my God. So because of that, I'm going to put a budget in place. I'm going to say, money, you go here. You don't get control over me. I get control over you. You're going to go here. I'm going to tell you where to go. So for most of us, that means a budget. And my hunch is as a society, my hunch is that none of us are just going to stumble upon financial health. None of us are just gonna stumble upon a biblical vision of our finances, okay? In the same way, none of us is just gonna stumble into godliness, where you just wake up one day and say, you know what, I just, I just wanna read my Bible. Never have before, but now I just really want to, and I just wanna pray nonstop. That doesn't happen. You need to put a plan in place to get there. In the same way, when it comes to having a biblical vision for our resources, we need a plan in place. And my hunch is, this is just a guess, But my hunch is if you don't have a plan in place that you might be overdoing it in the provision and the enjoyment categories because how could you not? You know, everything in our society encourages us to spend money on ourselves, to make our lives easier. Our society doesn't really have a category when it comes to blessing others. And so putting a plan in place And my heart is that someone could look at your budget and they could look at the budget of someone who is not a Christian making the same amount and that they could look at your budget and see, oh, this person's different because they're prioritizing blessing others. They're practicing sacrificial generosity. That's my heart for us. But that can only happen if you have a plan in place. Good intentions are not enough. You can't just say, I'll keep my eye on it. And if a need comes up, I'll help out. To which I would ask, Are you being a good manager of what God's given you or not? If this is the vision, are you living into that vision? And I'll just go ahead and tell you, uh, as someone for the longest time, just I grew up in church and for about 20 years or more, I would go Sunday after Sunday and even like youth groups. And I never heard a sermon about why you should plan a budget. And I had a theology that embraced the sovereignty and the power of God so much that I just didn't do anything. You know? It's like Jesus says in Matthew 6 and Luke 12, when it comes to finances and resources, don't worry about it. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm not even going to think about it. Jesus, I'll do you one more. I'm just not only just not worry, I won't even think about it at all. And so I just went about my life just like never looking at my bank account. And I could share with you story after story about how my financial priorities were just a complete, complete mess being in full-time ministry and not even looking at my bank account. I could share with you stories after stories, but I won't get into it. I'll give you one um, (laughs) since you asked. But this was maybe 13, 14 years ago. I was out of college. I was a full-time seminary student. I was in full-time ministry. And I remember I was sitting in on a class and we had a break. This was like a Thursday afternoon. And so I was getting a little hungry. I went downstairs to the cafeteria and I saw a display of donuts. And there was one donut I wanted that had like a whole strip of bacon on the top of it. And I was like, I can't not buy this donut. So I was like, I'll have that. And so the guy pulls it out of the display and he says, all right, two bucks. I pull out my debit card. I say, all right, great. Swipe it. Uh, uh, uh. Card declined. He's like, I'm sorry. Says decline. Would you mind swiping that again? I was like, Uh, yeah, sure. Swipe it. Card declined again. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't give you this donut. He puts it back in the display and I go back to class and I think that was really weird. Huh? Go home. I open up my computer. I look at my bank account statement, which I hadn't looked at in about 10 months. And it was at zero check-in savings zero. I had no money in the account whatsoever. And that was kind of a big moment where I was like, I should probably start figuring this out and getting my act together. I had the best intentions in place, but I had no plan to carry that out. And my concern for some of us who don't have a plan in place is you are missing out. You could be one major appliance breakdown away from financial ruin. You could be one donut purchase away from financial ruin. And I don't want that for you, but you can put a plan into place now in the same way. There could be ministry that's not happening because you don't have a plan in place. There could be needs and people to meet Jesus who could find hope and healing if you had a plan in place that God could use by his spirit to work. We need a plan in place because we are managers, not owners. And Jesus takes it pretty seriously. If you keep on reading in Luke chapter 12 for the servants who are not faithful to what the master has given them, there's some pretty intense consequences for that. And so for the call for us this week, as y'all meet in life groups, as we have some homework for y'all where we would encourage you to spend some time outside of life group and just assess where's your money been going the last month or two where does it fit in those categories and then in life group y'all are going to talk about it just like hey what did you discover what are what are some ways in which you need to adjust so that your budget fits in according to what God has outlined how we use our resources. And then the week after that, we're gonna take some time outside of life group and just take some time with a template, with some tools in place to sort of put a budget in place so that we can say, money, you don't have control of over me. I have control over you. This is where I want you to go. So we just wanna set you up well to think about that. And more than anything, we want Jesus for you. And part of that means having a plan in place because when you do, you realize God often uses it to work in you and so that you can see more and more of him. In fact, that's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He shares this parable of the master and the good servant. And the thing about Jesus's parables is oftentimes there's some twist in in the story, some detail that the listeners did not see coming that's supposed to like grab your attention and your imagination a little bit. And we read that detail. That detail is in verse 37. Read it with me again. To those who are faithful, Jesus says, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and he will serve them. So what happens to the master when he finally arrives according to this parable? He serves the servants. To those who manage well, he places upon them the robes of honor. He invites them to the table to sit with him as esteemed guests. And then best of all, the master begins to wait. For the faithful servants. He brings in the food and the wine. The role of the master and the servant reverses. And this is not what masters did back then. But here in this parable, Jesus says, In the kingdom of God, the master serves the ones who are faithful. And the only way you get to this place of faithfulness is when you see how much the master has already done for you in Christ. It only happens when you look at Jesus who was fully God, who takes on the form of a servant whose heartbeat was to bring in the kingdom of God to us. He models and lives his whole life in those three categories to realize that nothing he has is his for himself, but to give it away so that the kingdom of God would expand. He's a provider who provides for us our deepest need by taking our sin upon a bloody cross and conquering death, providing for us life to the fullest by those who place their trust in him. He's full of joy who enjoyed eternal friendship with the triune God who came down to earth so that we might come to enjoy him who by the spirit has lavished upon us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. His life overflows with blessing and abundance who gives his life away so that we in turn might experience the blessing of knowing Jesus more and more. This is our God who serves. This is the master who takes the form of a servant who blesses us so that we might in turn serve and bless others who calls us to be stewards of his goodness, who invites us into deeper and further joy. The more we live into his design for us in all things. This is what's on the line for us. Joy is on the line for us. So let's by the spirit do all that we can to get more and more of that into our lives right now. Will you pray with me, please?